guys, welcome back to the Strive for Strength podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Strample. I'm an online fitness and an online business coach for fitness professionals. And today's episode is so good, guys. I had so much fun filming this episode. Not only that, but there are some tea spills in here and I'm so excited for you guys to listen in. I brought in my old money coach, Justin Green, who's also now a CFO and financial advisor for online coaches. And we talk about all things from cash flow in your company to being negligent and not understanding finances in your business and how that could be the reason you're not eligible to scale and you know all the things mindset when it comes to money and how abundance mindset might not be the best way for you to be navigating things when it comes to money inside of your business so if you guys want to hear more on this stay tuned and let's dive into today's episode hey i want you guys to welcome justin green to the podcast what's up justin so kendall thanks for having me i appreciate it yeah sure thing so justin tell the people what you do I am a CFO and financial planner for online coaches. Heck yeah. Cool. I also had the honor of getting to work with Justin um, all of last year too. So learned so much from him. Super cool. Got me really organized, which was awesome. Woke me up hundred percent. Woke me up to, to all things money, which was really cool. So super grateful and uh, excited to have a chat with you about all things money. Cause we know that a lot of coaches struggle with this uh, area of business for sure. So, um, just kind of starting. Yeah, it was off. a lot of fun working with you. I mean, I, I learned probably just as much as you did. So, um, it was a lot of fun. Heck yeah. Cool. So I know we, we just, even before we dove into the podcast, we had such a good conversation about all things in the industry and, and everything as well. And the really big topic of discussion I've seen so many people just struggling with recently is as a coach and, and running a coaching company and a coaching business is, you know, are we looking at money? Are we looking at money coming in and out and, you know, are we using the the data from money to be able to make decisions inside of the business? And so I'm sure you see this a lot working with other coaches as well, but um, I'd love to hear just your thoughts on just what you see, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see with coaches in the industry when it comes to money in their business? Yeah, that's a long list. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of mistakes, you know, it definitely depends on what stage uh, the coaches are at, like if they're new coaches or if they're scaling, but, you know, I would, I would definitely want to point out the the most basic one, but like the most common that I see, whether it's a hundred dollars in revenue or $10,000 in revenue is not separating their personal and business finances. And what that just means is like, go open a business bank account. If you're an LLC, you can do that. If you're not an LLC, just open a separate personal account and treat it like a business bank account. Um, and then credit card as well, get a separate credit card for the business. And it's a very basic step, but it's so important because if you're mixing like your groceries and your target runs with your training software and this and that, and you're not like paying attention when it comes time to do your taxes the next year, you have to like go back and look and see uh, was that target run personal? Was it business? Like, uh, mm-hmm. what is this meal? Was that, was I meeting with another coach? And so it's a business meal or was I just like eating Chipotle on my own and I ordered three meals. So it's a high bill. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. that is the most basic one, but I see it at every level. Um, I'll, I will work with coaches and sometimes it's very minor, like, Hey, you're still slipping through the business. And sometimes it's just, they're completely integrated. So that's like the first step, separate it. If you're an LLC, just apply for an EIN number through the IRS and you'll need that number to open a business bank account. Yeah, 
cool. And I know that was something even when I first came to you, like transparently, I will always tell you guys the truth, but that was something for me that was probably like my biggest faux pas was I had just separated things and I was terrified because I was like, oh my gosh, how do I know if I spent this here or this here? And um, I think one of the big things just on my end that I noticed with that is, and I even came to you with this, Justin, was my mindset. I was like, I think I have this kind of cash flow, but I'm not really sure if that's where my cash flow is at. And I'm curious for you on your end, just like working on the other end of that. I'm sure you probably see it a lot is um, what do you notice just in regards to people's mindset with cash flow or like how they're able to take action or not take action based off of not having that separation? What does that look like? Um, it just becomes overwhelming. So the mindset kind of becomes like mm, bury your head in the sand, right? Like you don't, it's really overwhelming to look at. So you just don't look at it you know, like you might just open your bank account. And as long as there's money in your bank account, in your mind, you're good, right? And so you operate, you operate solely based on like the balance in your bank account. And that provides like no insights other than like, okay, yeah, you have money in the bank, right? And, but it doesn't tell you like, are you going to have money in the bank in two weeks when all your expenses come due? Like, you know, it doesn't show you, Hey, you've got, you know, you're almost out of money, but you actually, you've got recurring revenue. That's about to hit in three days. Like it just doesn't give you the information that you need. And I think that's the biggest issue is that it's so overwhelming when you don't have a system. Yeah. Coaches have a system for marketing. They have a system for sales, for outreach, for, pretty much everything you can think of training, how they're going to actually like give yeah. service to their clients. Uh, but they don't create a financial system, which I'm biased, but in my opinion is like yeah. the most important once you're making money, if you don't have a system, I, I think it's one of the most important things because at the end of the day, if you run out of cash flow, what happens? You don't have a business at that point. Exactly. Like yeah. you no longer have a business. So, yeah. you know, all your clients, all the great work you're doing for them, it doesn't matter if you have to go back and work somewhere else because you ran out of money. So right. it's really important to kind of set yeah. up a system. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly, it's not that, it's not that complicated. The system itself, it's really just like organization and mm -hmm. being proactive. Yeah. And I mean, I think something even for myself that I noticed, um, from working with you getting more organized as well is I look at the other side of it is like, there were times where I was, I had a, a really big scarcity mindset and I was like, I don't think I can afford that. I can't make my next hire. And I was actually on the opposite side where actually I was doing yeah. better than I, I thought I was doing, which is not a bad problem to have, but in the same note, it's like, you could also be on the other side of it where you could be negative, but you also could be extremely positive to the point where you're actually holding yourself back from the scaling piece. And I know that was like a really big pain point for myself. So I'm curious for you with being able to support other people. And, and what would you say? I know, obviously the separation of personal and, and business is important, but what would be like some starting steps for someone who's listening? Who's like, holy crap, this is like completely calling me out. And I feel like I'm, I'm in that exact position. Well, first off, I want to address the uh, scarcity mindset. So you can have a scarcity mindset, you can have an abundance mindset. Some people would argue that this isn't even actually what this means. But I'll just address it from that point, right? Yeah. There are coaches, and this is way less than the other the other side we're going to address in a second, but there are coaches like you who they're very good at making money and they're very bad at spending money, but in a good way. Like they're afraid mm -hmm. to spend it. They're mm -hmm. afraid to reinvest it. They're very frugal. Honestly, it's kind of because you work like 24-7, you don't have a whole lot of time to spend your money. Um, and so there's a very small percentage of coaches like that. The bigger problem is the other side. It's an overabundance mindset. Mm -hmm. 
and to a point where it's detrimental to your business. You're overspending, you're taking on debt, whatever it is, you're hopping from business coach to business coach. You're not really applying the information that they're giving you. You know, I think when, you know, there's a lot of like a lot of those relationships go sour. And I think it's important to look at like both parties and that, that like coaching relationship and mentorship. And if you're not applying the information, like it's not going to be helpful. So why are you bouncing from that one to another one to another one without applying any of the information and accruing debt on your way to doing that? Because you need to invest in yourself. You need to coaches buy coaches, invest in coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to have an abundance mindset to succeed at business. Like these are all things that I hear that are thrown out there. And honestly, they're, they're kind of bullshit, right? Like you coaches don't invest in coaches, coaches invest in their business and acquire a certain set of skills that they maybe are lacking and they need to mm-hmm. get better at, right? You yeah. don't need to invest in something just to say you are investing in it. Um, that's how you get, honestly, that's how you get scammed. Um, but that's a different conversation. But anyway, so there's more coaches who struggle with that. Like they're overspending in their business. They're taking on too much debt, especially early on in their business. And that's why they're hiding from their numbers is because the numbers are really scary right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I see that as more of an issue than, your situation. I don't, I see that every now and then Uh, I'm working with a a similar client right now. Who's got very similar uh, mindset when, when he started working with me, but other than that, it's, it's more on the other side. Yeah. Well, I was, it's so funny. I was watching your reel the other day about abundance mindset about talking about um, and also like the coaching gurus. And this is something that I was like, Oh, we have to dive in on this today because (laughs) this is something I see. And it's so funny. I actually had this, this conversation the other day with my partner is like, um, the gurus who are like making money from selling course content, but the course content isn't the thing that necessarily made them money. And so um, that's a big part of like making the investments nowadays. And I'm curious, like what kind of advice, because obviously having the cash flow and that stuff is really important. And I think mentorship is important, but who you invest in is also extremely important in making that decision. I'm curious, like what things you advise people on when it comes to like making investments in their business or like how to choose mentorship, or if you have um, just like any advice for anyone listening that, you know, is looking for coaching or looking for mentorship. Yeah, I think one, it's really important to understand that you probably are over a lifetime going to make mistakes, right? You're probably going to hire a mentor where it doesn't work out. Maybe it's not a good personality fit. Maybe they overpromised, underdelivered. delivered. Uh, maybe it just wasn't the right time for you. You weren't ready to apply the information, right? So I think it's it's okay to know that like you're going to make mistakes. Some of these aren't going to work out. But let's be more diligent when you are choosing them. Like, let's not blindly go into these situations and then be like, ah, it didn't work out, but that's okay because I'm abundant. I'm going to go hire another one. Like, no, let's like actually break this down, right? So one, are they teaching a skill that you don't have and that you need in your business to grow your revenue? Two, can you afford it? Do you have the cash flow or the cash in the bank necessary to be able to afford the program. Three, are you already sitting in a lot of debt with a lot of failed mentorships? Four, there was a fourth one, but I definitely just forgot it. Um, oh, that was a really good one too. Oh, this one. If 
this is a really big pet peeve of mine and this is going to piss off a lot of business coaches and Kendall, I honestly don't know if you operate this way. So apologize in advance. Um, I do not like if you take out a third party loan, because in my opinion, if a, if a mentor is having you pay in full and then you're actually taking the loan out through a third party, there's no longer any risk for that mentor to provide a good service, right? Mm -hmm. They've already been paid. You're saddled with the loan no matter what. However the service goes, you're saddled with that loan no matter what. They have no skin in the game anymore other than their reputation, which doesn't seem to matter nowadays. But they have no skin in the game, right? They can give you poor service for the next, you know, whatever the container was, next 12 months. And it's not a big deal for them. They've already been paid. They're on to finding the next client, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a that. big red flag for me. I love that you touched on that. So we don't do third-party financing at WWBA. And I also will never advise fitness coaches to do it for their clients because then you're risking putting someone who doesn't even have a direct ROI in debt as well. And I know that that's a lot of you guys who are listening in. And that's my personal take on it is like, don't use financing for fitness coaching because it also kills retention too. And that's just like another side note on business is like, if you have someone paying off a loan for two years, who's coming into your program, well, you're probably not going to re-sign them at their six month contract either, you know, which is another thing to take into consideration. Um, but I love that you touched on that. Cause I think that's huge. Um, and I agree with, I mean, I agree. It's with a short-term that. play. Yeah, I agree with all those touch points. And I think at the end of the day, you look at it as like, okay, this is a human, like this is a service. This is not just, hey, like, let me get the next client on board, you know? So um, no, I love that you touched on that. And I think it's, I mean, it's important to, you know, it's like, yes, have systems, but systems that I think align with the ethics and the principles of how you run business as well. So heck yeah, cool. Yeah, I I think anytime you're making a decision that that seems like it's a short-term grab for money, it's not gonna end well. Right. It might be really good for a couple of months, uh, which like you could also apply this uh, to paid in fulls. Um, I know a lot of people kind of go back and forth. Do I want paid in fulls? Do I want recurring revenue? I like a balance of them. Uh, but what's really important with paid in fulls is if you are getting a majority or even whenever you get any paid in fulls, how are you managing that money? Like, are you going out and spending all that money in the first month? Are you making business? This is actually really like this is really important. Are you making business decisions that it's going to impact your cash flow on a monthly basis based off of that one single month with a large paid in full? Like you don't want to do that because that means you have to go sell another paid in full every single month after that. And that's not as realistic as you think, right? Like you're going to have ebbs and flows and when clients come on. And so basing your business decisions off of like an outlier of a month that's that's not going to end well your cash flow is going to take a big hit over the next couple months yeah right like making a hire or something based off of a single month and that's actually making a hire investing in a program what any like major expense that you're going to be committing to over the long term yeah yeah that's actually something i wanted to touch base on because i think the predictable revenue aspect is important like i love when coaches have monthly reoccurring especially if they are scaling out teams and things of that nature so i know you talked a little bit about like systems for finances but you know there are definitely like indicators that coaches have to look at or just any business owner um to be able to you know scale the company and scale their business so i'm curious on your end is like what kind of um, indicators do you look for, for like decision-making, whether it's like hires, mentorship, like what kind of things are you looking for when you, when you would advise on that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So 
it's a couple different things and it's usually based on like what are the pain points of that coach that's coming to me uh but obviously we're gonna we're gonna start with what's your revenue right and that number is the number that's bragged about on social media all the time but that is like this starting point for me i don't really care but i have to start there right like so we're gonna start at your revenue and then we're gonna look at like okay what's your cost of labor do you have assistant coaches um, that are directly being paid based on the amount of clients you have. That's what's called a cost of goods sold uh, because it's a service business. It's a cost of labor or a cost of service. Um, that's where I'm going to go next. So I want to see like how much of this, how much of your top line, which is your revenue, that's called your top line. How much of that is then being taken out and sent to assistant coaches for directly coaching clients? When you subtract that number from the revenue, you get the gross margins, so gross profit. That's an important number, but we need to keep going, right? Now we need to also take a look at the rest of your operating expenses. And when I'm doing that, I'm looking at software, education, so mentors, et cetera. Um, but one big one that I'm looking at, and this is what a lot of people miss, is how much are you paying yourself? If you're an S-Corp, you have to pay yourself a salary. We're probably not going to go down that road. Um, but even if you're just an LLC, whatever you're withdrawing, like I want to look at how much are you actually paying yourself? And sometimes people are underpaying themselves. And so in that situation, I want to look at how much should you be paying yourself? And because I want to have an understanding of what you need to take out of the business to live your personal life. Because one thing that could kill your business quicker than anything else is your personal expenses. If you need to support your personal life from the business and your personal expenses are extremely high, it'll kill your business. Realistically, your yeah. business expenses, you can run pretty lean in the coaching business. Yeah. So that's part of the, like, I'm looking at that in operating expenses because I want to subtract that. And then what is your profit after that? Right. So now we're down to net profit. And now what do you have left? And that is the number that we're going to use to make decisions moving forward. Yeah. Right. And that decision might be, Hey, you want to give yourself a raise? Like that's a business decision. Yes, um, we yes. don't, we don't get into business to, at least I didn't, um, <laughs> but I'm a numbers guy. I, I do like profit. I am a capitalist. Uh, I know we get into business to help people, but at the end of the day, we're trying to make a profit as well. Yeah. Um, and so most of us aren't trying to like live on the bare minimum outside of the business, right? We do have personal goals. We have families. We have all these things we want to achieve outside of the business. And so it's important to like, look at that and be like, okay, you have a really high net profit. Maybe you could pay yourself a little bit more if that's one of your goals. Yeah. Maybe you need to hire out. Maybe you have no time left and this is a time to get a VA, another VA. Yeah. Um, maybe it's, you need to upgrade your software because like, you know, that'll save you time. You know, yeah. once you're getting to a point where you have more money and less time, we're looking at how do we use that money to buy back your time? Um, maybe you've been wanting to invest into an education, a mentorship, et cetera. If you have that profit there, then that's a green light, right? Like you can do that. What I don't want to see is that number be negative. And then you're making these decisions anyways, like that's a big red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, even a lot of coaches go into that blindly, like they're not even thinking about that kind of stuff when they're going into making hires or, um, like making business decisions in general. And I think that's something that we notice like so much in the, in the coaching space. And it makes it really hard to scale too, if that's the case, I feel like for so many people, you know, is because it's like at the end of the day, and this is something I'm, I'm noticing is like, 
like you said, you can run pretty, pretty lean in a coaching business, but so many people have like zero profit. Like their profit margins are just like crazy. It's like, they're, they're not bringing home anything, you know? And, and when uh, I see that I'm looking for two things right away, cost of labor and cost of education. Those mm-hmm. are the first two things I'm going to right away in the coaching industry. Those I'm going to probably find the problem immediately in those two categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like continuing to throw, like you said, money at the mentorship or education without the actual like application of it is like, that should be getting you a direct return on investment. And if it's not, it's like reevaluating, like, where do you need to be applying? And I've even found something for myself recently. And, you know, maybe I'm going to shoot myself in the foot being a mentor here, but I think also at a certain point you have mentors to consult with you, to give you like, Hey, this is like what you need to integrate. And you make specific hires that have a specific skill set as well. Right. Like for us, it was bringing in like a marketing division where they're, you know, doing all of our marketing and we have an agency like in-house and, you know, we looked at someone coming in and doing like a specific CRM build and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like I paid for a specific task. I didn't have someone tell me how to do it. I paid for someone to do it, to, you know, get it taken care of and like the skill set. And I think there's also a certain point in business. I don't think this is talked about in our space because like, obviously it's a doggy dog world of like, Hey, like you get paid for mentorship. Right. But I think that's also something that, um, we just have to have a conversation about with people more. It's like, Hey, you reach a certain level where yes, you need the guidance, but also you need like specific skill sets. Like you mentioned earlier, it's like hiring out the skill set to, to bring people in, which I think is so huge, you know, and at certain income levels, you need different things too. And I think that's another thing is like, people don't even know what income level they're at half the time because they are not tracking, you know, and they don't, they don't really take a look at it. So, um, cool, cool. Yeah. And understanding like, what do you need? What do you need? Like everyone's situation is different, right? Like, so I might need more to live off of. I've got a baby coming in a month and a wife than you might need to live off of. Right. So you might be able to make decisions to scale at a lower revenue number than I can. Right. I might need to get that business on my own running solo 250k revenue so i can pull out 100k in profit whatever it is you know what i mean whereas you might be able to live off of 50k profit um and so that way when you hit a 100k you know i'm just making up numbers here but you could you could start to scale sooner right and so that's why you can't compare yourself either because that's a big big problem obviously in the social media realm Uh, we all live on instagram tiktok etc Um, You can't compare yourself. We all start in different places. Um, We all have different contextual like backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We all have different goals. A lot of coaches don't want to scale and that's totally fine. Like I've talked to a lot of coaches who do 250, 300,000 in revenue, probably like 80% profit before paying themselves. Yeah. And like, they're cool with that. And honestly, I'm cool with that too. Like, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I don't blame them. Um, And some coaches do want to scale and and you do have to understand if you're taking that path, you're probably going to leave some profit on the table, especially in the early years. And that's okay. Like, that's the whole point of it. Uh, But I do think it's important to understand like, what type of business are you trying to build? Because the industry is not that mature yet where some people are going to be able to sell their businesses. So they are building an asset, but I don't think that's as popular and going to be as common as people think. Um, Because if you build a business and it's based off me as like the coach, it's really hard for Kendall to come buy my business and retain the clients because like Mm -hmm. they were there because of my personality, my personal brand, et cetera. So you're not really building a sellable asset. And so 
when we talk about like investing in your business, normally you're doing that because you're growing an asset and then you're going to sell it at some point and you're going to get this, what's called a liquidity event where you get the money from the sale. Yeah. Most coaches aren't going to do that. So the opposite of that is you're building a cash flowing business. And so you need to be really intentional on like, how do you increase the cash that's available for you to withdraw and then take advantage in your personal life to invest and, you know, reach your own personal goals. Yeah. So I think it's really important to understand like what type of business do you want to build? Yeah. Yeah. And also don't live in California. There's also that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good so, one too. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like living here. I've noticed like a lot of coaches left though. I, I've seen so a, like, like an exodus at a San yeah, Diego, like a mass exodus, yeah. Las Vegas now. <laughs> a bunch of my friends left California. I don't blame them though. You look at the cost of living and it's like from the profit, it's like, it's actually really, especially I can imagine being a newer coach. Like it would be really hard to invest back into the business when your rent is like double what you would pay anywhere else. And like, sometimes that's equivalent to like $50,000 a year, you know, for some people. And so it's like, it makes sense. And I, I, and I get that too. And I, I appreciate you even pointing out the personal life side of things too, because I notice like most people who don't have their personal life expenses are the same people who don't have their business expenses in check. And I think like starting, do you recommend that there's like a starting point for people like start with the personal side? Cause I can imagine there are some people listening who are like, I don't have any of these together. So do you have yeah. a starting point for, for people like that? Yeah. I'll give you like the quick and dirty blueprint, right? So you start by separating them. So you open a business bank account and then you get bookkeeping software. So QuickBooks is like the industry standard. It's like 25, 30 bucks just go get QuickBooks or get wave wave is a free one. Um, you can, if you're like really into spreadsheets, fine, go ahead and use a spreadsheet, but it's probably going to, you're going to avoid doing it because you don't want to get into the spreadsheet. So pick a software that's going to make it really easy for you. Right. So pick QuickBooks, um, or wave and start categorizing. And, um, we won't go too deep into that, but categorize your income, your expenses and all that. Then take a look and uh, figure out what are your personal expenses, right? What are your fixed expenses? So fixed just means like, this is gonna recur every single month. Like there's really no getting around it. Your rent, insurances, um, if you have like a car payment, um, groceries, gym membership, like those might, not the gym membership, but the groceries might change a little bit, but you're always gonna have to buy food, right? Like, you know, you're gonna have, a food bill, it, you can probably limit it and change it a little bit. And then variable, you're looking at like supplements, eating out, going out, bars, et cetera, you know, vacations, et cetera. Those are variable costs. So you want to list those out separately because variable you could eliminate if you had to, like if you need to run really lean for a couple months while building the business, you can reduce or eliminate variable. Uh, so reduce whatever you need to, and then just figure out, okay, what's that number? And this is assuming that you need to take money out of the business to live off of. Some people have a spouse they can rely on. Um, we'll ignore that for now. Figure out what do you need in your personal life to live off of? Not to like live an extravagant lifestyle, just like basic living expenses, right? So figure that out and then start building the business, making money and don't hire a single mentor. Don't take on any debt. Don't take on any unnecessary expenses until you are making enough profit to pay yourself, right? Once you meet that threshold, that like personal baseline is what I call it. Mm. Now you can start thinking about other things until you can do that. It makes no sense because what's going to happen is 
you're going to accrue debt on the personal side or you're going to miss bills or like now you're stressed out on the personal side and then it's going to bleed into the business, right? So yeah. you kind of have to start with the business because that's what feeds your personal side. Um, you just have to have the information to know what do you need from the business, um, but then go back to the business and you just work your ass off until you can bring in enough profit. And hopefully it's not a super high number. Like hopefully you can do that within a couple months yeah. and then you keep building from there. And then you can start to think about other decisions to scale, to hire. But honestly, like you should probably be able to get to 10K months in your business on your own without hiring a VA, without hiring an assistant coach. Until you're consistently doing that, you probably don't need to make those investments. In my opinion, I don't know. You could, you might have a different opinion. I mean, I I say like for the most part, even the girls inside of our program, they're usually hitting their first, they usually have at least a 20 client roster before they're in a position to get a virtual assistant on board to do lead gen with them, which only gets the ROI. Like that's more of a guaranteed return. Like, Hey, it's a direct. So I would say like, as a mentor, my two things are like, you need to be making hires that either create LTV for the client so that you have better retention or that our direct return on investment, like a lead gen specialist or something like that. And I think a lot of people try to do it because they hate the task of doing it and they don't learn mm-hmm. it themselves. And I think that's where the biggest slip up is for so many people is they're like, oh, I have 15 clients, like let me hire a lead gen specialist, yet I haven't perfected the craft myself. And then it doesn't end up working because they can't even train the skill, you know? And I think that's where a lot of people kind of go wrong. Uh, but no, I agree. It's like usually the seven to 10 K mark is where you're looking at making a hire, your first hire, you know? Um, unless some people are stepping out of part-time jobs where like they need that hire to fully step out, which I'm like, that's responsible, you know? Like I think for some people, it's a matter of like, let me fund myself while I also scale the business. And it sucks for a lot of people because they're overworked and tired. But like you said, and I appreciate this because sometimes it's a grind. And I think like the grind and the hustle, like I'm not a big hustle culture fan, but also like running a business is not easy and you have to put in the hard work. No, it's hard as hell. Yeah, it's, 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 we have to start being vocal about that. Yes, that is I a agree. big issue. I agree. Like, and like, I'm, I'm very like logical when it comes and very yeah. objective about decision-making in business. And I think we're losing a lot of that in the space and it's hard to watch because it's like, okay, I get this new wave that's kind of coming in to like be aligned and like be congruent and like have values and have fun. But also like the beginning of my business was hell. I moved to like California. I like didn't have a life. I think worked at a gym 14 hours, you know, and I think a lot of people aren't talking about that because of the whole guru thing, uh, Mm -hmm. which is why I loved your content recently, because I'm like, yes, this, like, this is what needs to be talked about. You know, just no one wants to hear it as much. You're one of the few business coaches that might agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it's, um, you know, it's, um, it's huge. I mean, it's going to be really hard in the beginning. You need to be like a jack of all trades in the beginning. You have to learn a little bit about everything. I even think you should learn how to do your own bookkeeping in the beginning, right? You need to understand what are those numbers. Like You need to have a keen eye what's coming in and out of your bank accounts. Um, and understanding that will actually make it a lot easier if you do scale to the point where you're like, I don't have the time to do this. I'm going to hire a CFO, like right? And that's where someone like I can I can come in and help you. But honestly... If you've never even like tracked your numbers before that, I it's like even hard to come in and help you. Like what decisions are we going to make? We have to go back like 10 steps mm-hmm. and get it organized. And so yeah. I think it's really important to just learn a little a bit about everything early on, you know, marketing, sales, DMing, uh, bookkeeping, whatever it is like to keep your business going. Like you should have a basic understanding of pretty much every pillar of your business. 
Right. Well, it's like once you take your hands out, like that's the thing is people are fully taking their hands out and then they don't have a quality assurance check on it. And that's when things go south for a lot of people too. And I think that's why I agree acquiring the skill, even if it's not your zone of genius and you hate doing it, like you can outsource it at some point, but at least learn the skill because then when you lead a team, it's like, how are you supposed to lead the team and, and do um, like troubleshooting and being an innovator and being a CEO. And I think that's where like, I'm super transparent about this. You've been talking about on podcasts because people know when they come to work with us, like self-responsibility is a huge aspect of it. And um, I think those are the coaches who we see scaling the fastest right now that are taking their responsibility, that are learning the skill sets and, you know, continuing to do things like check their KPIs and check their finances and things like that. So Cool, Justin. What well, are your uh, thoughts on coaches needing accountability? Um, okay, this is a new great, coaches. This is a great topic of discussion. I everyone who is listening to this who has ever talked to me and who's like, I need a coach and knows this because I have been in the DMs with people who are like, hey, like I just need one-on-one because I do not offer one-on-one until you reach a level where I know that you have self-responsibility and self-reliance for this very reason because the last thing you want to do is create codependency inside of like a coaching container and it's the same thing for fitness coaches like any coach listening to this like they know that right is um i think the accountability makes sense from the point of learning a new skill set um i think accountability is great to develop habits consistently that are unconscious so like if it's if you're incompetent because you just don't know what you don't know. I think that's mm-hmm. where the accountability comes into play because it's really frustrating when you learn a new skill. I think accountability to learn self-reliance is important, but um, my thought process on it is like, you have to learn the self-reliance and self-responsibility. And sometimes it means going through the hardship, which people aren't as willing to do, I find nowadays, you know? Um, but yeah, that's my thought. That's my thoughts on it. I think the, the new skills are important, especially in confidence, but um, you know, handholding is a no-go. It's just a big no-go you know so yeah i think that's a good take um i i only ask because i i see a lot of new coaches who i think the reason they're hiring business mentors and programs is for that reason and it's like early on like if you don't have the fire to go out and build this business maybe that's just not the right path i mean that's not a bad thing we don't all have to be business owners there's a reason there's like millions and millions of people employed by corporations in the United States. You know what I mean? So, you know, if you don't have that fire, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but maybe it's not the right path for you. And that's why I tell everyone is like, one of the things that we put in content all the time is if you don't have a vision and if you don't know who you want to work with, why are you coaching in the first place? Right. Because if you don't know who you want to work with, there should be a fire lit for you to work with a specific group of people based off of your skill sets and based off of your expertise. And I think that's something that a lot of new coaches aren't looking at. Um, and it's the reason we cap our programs off monthly, you know, it's like, Hey, like we only want to take a, a certain number and it's for that reason, you know? And I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, Oh, like scale fulfillment, but it's like also ethics and, you know, it's, it's a little more few and far between, but, um, I think that's another thing too, is looking at like, how much do you want to scale and like, not based off of realistics, but it's like, how much do you want to scale in terms of like the ethical side of business and like how big of a program do you want? And I think, like you said, there are some coaches who don't want to scale. And I think a lot of them, it's not that they think small. I think a lot of them are like, this is the life I want to live. And this is the cash flow I want to have. And I'm happy with that. And I've seen a lot more of that recently. And I don't necessarily think it's like a limiting belief or it's like, Hey, I just don't have what it takes to scale. I think they're like, Hey, I actually like my life here and I can go yeah. buy things I want. I can go on vacation and I can fund my life and I have two assistant coaches and I'm happy. And, you know, I'm seeing more of that nowadays. And I think it's, it's cool. Like there are some people who are meant to go all the way. And there are some people who are 
you know, cool with being a, a little more on the laid back side and just, you know, time and place. Yeah, just be, be, be intentional. That's like the most important thing. Be intentional mm-hmm. about every decision you make in your business, finance, et cetera, what you're building. Like as long as it's intentional and it resonates with you, yeah, that's what's going to lead you to, to having a successful business. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's ultimately what's going to drive you towards the goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the long game for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, Justin, tell everyone uh, where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Justin Green FP. I also have a podcast, uh, Dollars and Dumbbells. Kendall was on there way back when. I think it's like, I don't know the episode number. I think it's like one of the first 10 episodes. Uh, so you could check that out. She shared her story. Uh, but Instagram is where you you can find me if you have any questions. You know, definitely shoot me a DM. I'm always talking to coaches all day. Heck yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, Kendall. I appreciate it.